Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. When you live in Alexia Puteas' shadow for years, it must feel good to hear this. Women's Ballon d'Or 2023 goes to Aitana Bonmati. With Puteas in ACL recovery, Bonmati has stepped up and swept up the awards. World Cup and Champions League winner and player of the tournament, Liga FA champion, UEFA Women's Player of the Year, and now the Ballon d'Or. So what's the story behind Spain's new world beater? I'm Sophie Penny, and from The Athletic, this is Full Time Europe. Later, we'll be talking about Germany's missing manager. I think the whole dentist speech gate will, will just add to the voices of those who think a change is necessary. But first, it's the Ballon d'Or. We've heard the news that Luis Rubiales is now banned from all football-related activities for three years. But today, we're leaving behind the drama around Spanish football and focusing on the brilliant individual who won this Ballon d'Or, Aitana Bonmati. I'm with the Athletic Spanish football writer, Laia Cervello Herrero. Hi, Laia. Was everyone in Spain expecting this result? Hello. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, it has been a great year for Aitana. And I think uh, her goal this year was to uh, achieve like and to win big uh, individual awards. So, yeah, I think uh, people here were quite expecting it. Maybe they weren't expecting Alexia's first Ballon d'Or, not because she didn't deserve it, but because it was weird to see a Spanish football, uh, a Spaniard football just winning something that big. It wasn't that usual three years ago, but I think probably people now is more used to that. Definitely. And she, she ticked off that goal with a plum, didn't she? Uh, the Athletics senior reporter Michael Cox is with us too. Michael, do you think the right person won the award? Yeah, I think so. It's quite rare for someone to triumph in both the Champions League and the World Cup in the same year and play such a big role. I think the funny thing about Bonmati's year is I think she's been very good. I think she deserves the award. But when you go back to the World Cup in the knockout games, I didn't think she was overwhelmingly dominant in, in the really big games. I just thought it, was, it wasn't that tournament for me. It got to the end of the tournament and, you know, there's always chat about who should win the individual awards. And for me, it's like women's football has moved on a little bit from maybe four years ago, eight years ago, when the US team were dominating. And it was very clearly based around certain individuals, around whether it's Alex Morgan or Megan Rapino or Carly Lloyd. And I think that now European football seems to have kind of got a bit of a, a stranglehold, at least at the moment, on world football. There's a slightly different culture. I think it's slightly less obsessed with individuals and more about a team performance, more about a philosophy. And I think that's why Spain and Barcelona have won the two big ones this year, because, you know, as we saw in the World Cup, you can take big players out of them. They still know how to play. Players can come in. They've got a style. So, yeah, I think Bonmati, absolutely a deserving winner. But I also think that maybe the the level of individualism is maybe not what, uh, not what it once was in the women's game. 
We're definitely going to come back to that point about the World Cup performances and whether they merited the Ballon d'Or. But first, let's get a bit of background around Bonmati from you, Laya. You've interviewed her, you've interviewed her family. What's she like? What sense do you get of her? I would say probably like the word that describes her better is uh, she's a very ambitious person and her goal in life is to be the best, to make her team be the best and to win as much as she can. She's very demanding of herself and her family explained to us that she has been so since she was a child, so it's nothing new for, for, for her. In fact, uh, talking to her father, that gave me the feeling that probably she got uh, her character from, from him. She comes from a very, like, fighting uh, family. Uh, their parents have fight for, for just uh, to defend uh, their values for, for a long time. And I think she is like that too. Everything she has around her, she uses it to be better. Uh, she became flexitarian uh, to improve her performance. Uh, in fact, she and her family admitted to, to, to me during the, the interviews during the World Cup that that ambition uh, sometimes has made her not enjoy enough everything that ha- was happening to, to her. So, yeah, I think she she's someone born to be a, a, a star in some ways and to be a leader in the field. She won't get long to enjoy that Ballon d'Or, will she? Because the next day she'll be playing Switzerland <laughs> anyway. So, For sure. Uh, yeah, For sure. <laughs> that's a whole other topic of conversation. But it's interesting how Bonmati's kind of come up through the ranks. She's very Barcelona through and through, isn't she? She grew up just, just south of Barcelona. Is that right, Laia? Yeah, she joined Barca when she was very young and she has been train, training there for since, since then. I think she has the club's DNA in her blood. Uh, she wears the number 14, the same number as uh, Johan Cruyff. And it's a, a number that uh, sums up a playing philosophy that is closely linked to, to the club and has a lot to do with, with her. Uh, she is from San Pedro de Rivas, a village near to, to Barcelona. And she worked her way up uh, through the ranks, playing for Barca B until she moved up and down the first team until the season in which they played the their first uh, Champions League final. It was 2019. And even if she was like the youngest player and she was proving during the year that if she could be like a first team player or not, I think in the final she was the best, even if uh, Barca lost against Lyon for, for, for one. So yeah, I think she has been like growing up with a with a team, and she has been forming in La Masia. So that kind of gives you the 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 answer of she if she understands the the, the way of play of Barcelona or not. And she's definitely been a, a winner with Barcelona, hasn't she? Four league titles, two Champions League trophies, five Copa de la Reina. But Michael, this year has been special, hasn't it? partly due to the fact that Alexia Puteas was missing, uh, recovering from her ACL injury. What do you think's made Bonmati stand out this year, Michael? Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the absence of Puteas, I think, has changed a lot. I think it probably changes her sense of responsibility. Probably Lia can speak more about that than me in terms of her personality and just being able to be a, a leader off the pitch. But I think on the pitch... It's made her evolve her game. I think she's contributed more in and around the penalty box. Uh, It's been a slightly higher role, I think, particularly for Spain. You look at her goal-scoring record over the last four complete seasons. She's basically gone from scoring 
uh, one every four games to one every three games to almost one every two games. And she's, you know, she scored two very similar goals at the World Cup, I thought, where she kind of evaded challenges in, in congested situations in the penalty box and applied the finish. And I just think she's capable of doing everything. She can conduct the game. She can create chances. She can finish them. She's, a, I think, a really, really brilliant player. And I must say, you know, two, three years ago, it was clear that Puteas was the best player. She was doing things that I don't think anyone else could dream of. But just purely personal taste. I really like Bonmati. I like that she's selfless. I like that she's a team player. I like that she can play different roles. She's just got a real kind of collective aura about her, if that makes sense. I don't think she's, you know, as Laia says, she's obviously very ambitious. I know she wanted to win this award, but I don't think there's ever a sense that she does things at the expense of team performance. It's always everything she does is for the team. And I think that's that's the main thing in football. Yeah, I think like the the same way uh, as Michael. I think that, uh, first of all, she has matured as a player uh, and that comes with age and growing up. But she's also a player who I think needs to feel a, a leader. And with Putellas on the pitch, maybe she didn't take that step forward, uh, I think. She definitely took advantage of the fact that uh, Alexia was injured and wasn't on the pitch to impose uh, herself as a as a leader of the team. And I also think that the change of position has benefited her, as uh, Michael was, was saying. As Alexia was injured, uh, Jonathan Giraldez opted to put Patrick Guijarro uh, further forward and Keira Walsh as a defensive pivot. Uh, he said it was the best way to maintain like the essence of the of the team, but as Patri is a player that already tends to to defend more than than probably Aitana does, she normally drops deeper. I think Aitana has been playing closer to to the box as as Michael was saying. That has translated into more goals, especially in the Champions League, and also a better version of herself. She stands out because. She has improved in attack, but also I think she has done it in defense. As a playmaker, she already stood out uh, before because, you know, she has a great reading of the game and can see passes where others probably can't. But she has also focused a lot on winning balls back and pressing. So I think that makes her more complete. Yeah, definitely defence as well as attack. 13 goal involvements in the Champions League last season, the most of any player. Michael, at the beginning, you mentioned her World Cup performances and there were some matches where she wasn't as visible or her impact wasn't as visible. Laia actually put this to her and this is what Bamati had to say. Touching or not touching the ball doesn't depend 100% on me. There are times when I move around waiting to look for my position to see if I get the ball and it depends a lot on the team's sensations. It doesn't have to do with people or who plays next to me, but more on the dynamics of the team in each game. There are times when the game happens more on the left flank than on the right and those of us who play there have less prominence. It depends on how the team is, the opponent, their marking and how they approach the game. There are many factors and I wouldn't like to focus on just one. Michael, what's your response to, to that? Do you think she has a point or is there more to her not showing up in certain games at the World Cup? 
No, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it was like her not showing up or the, the fact that she was poor. I just think, I think teams recognise how good she is and, and focus their their tactics on keeping her out of the game. I think the best example of that was the game against the Netherlands, where I think it was Jackie Gronin just really tightly marked her and Spain just, just couldn't play her the ball. And in those situations, sometimes you just have to accept that, yeah, they're, they're going to struggle to to involve her too much. But yeah, for me, it was just... It, it's a it's kind of a good sign. It shows where the women's game is at. I mean, there was the, the Netherlands game where I think, like I say, she was really tightly marked against Japan in the group stage. You know, Japan played a different type of game and counter-attack past her and the rest of the Spain team. And that worked really well. And then against Sweden, I just thought that was a really tight battle where I think Ellen Rubinson for, for Sweden was outstanding in that game. So it's like, it's just, a, yeah, certainly not a criticism of her as such. It's just that, I think the game is so much more collective than it was a few years ago. And I think the the better teams, there's less gap between them and the teams who can challenge. And for me, it was kind of, yeah, a refreshing kind of team-based World Cup where it was, I think, the best team that won rather than necessarily the team with the best individuals. And I'd say that's in quite stark contrast to the Men's World Cup because I think the Men's World Cup final, was it was almost just about two players. It was just Messi and Mbappe. And the whole teams are just like, trying to function, you know, trying to cancel out their weaknesses, but basically just providing a platform for these two fantastic players. Whereas for me, whether it was Spain, England, Japan, it was a collective. And personally, that's what I enjoy watching about football. And it's quite a young team as well for Spain, isn't it? That's going to be able to perform together for a few more major tournaments yet. And that's the thing about Mon Mati. She's only 25. And I think some people are quite surprised about that. When Laia, you spoke to her, she said she's sure that there's more to come. This year I've had the most complete season. You've seen a more mature Aitana with more growth. I'm 25 years old and I hope I have many years left. I hope this isn't my ceiling. Laia, what more do you think we can expect from Bonmati moving forward? Obviously, it's a slightly odd position she has now with Puteas coming back. In terms of that leadership role in Spain and Barcelona, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, I think she's a, like a really smart player and she knows how to adapt at uh, every, every situation, probably during the World Cup. You know, she was playing again with Alexia Putellas uh, in a different role and she had to adapt at that position. And probably that's why some of her performances uh, got unnoticed a little bit uh, at least. But I mean, Alexia is al- is also a-, a team player. She's one of the leaders in the dressing room. Everybody listens to her and she always looks for the for the best on the team. So I think she probably will will understand that uh, new leaderships are just popping up in the in the dressing room or or on the pitch. And I mean, it should be a blessing to have the both both players in the in the same team if they know how to deal with that leadership and if they know how to give each other like the space they need to to grow up because we have to remember that even if uh, Alexia Putellas is not that is not that old uh, she probably is in the final stage of of her career and probably she has just reached the peak uh, like 2 years ago so i think Aitana uh, probably like that generations are more prepared than uh, Alexia's and Irene Paredes uh, generation was so I think we can expect big things from from her. We have to see how like the 
financial situation in Barca uh, will be uh, developing because it's something that can mark that big players probably in next in next years if the team can afford uh, just paying what they deserve from the renews probably some of them will, will leave and we have to we will have to see if Aitana for example decides to, that she is still ambitious and she wants to to win everything we will have to see because she has been saying a lot of times that that she loves Premier League, she loves England, she loves the way. And every time she speaks about football and what Spain should be, she always says like the, the, the example is England. Oh, will she come to the WSL? That would be a good, that would be a good signing, wouldn't it? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to Full Time Europe with Sophie Penny. Michael, what about on the pitch in Barcelona? We've seen that Alexi Puteas has played in more of a nine role uh, at the moment. In Spain, they're playing in the midfield together, Puteas and Bonmati. How do you see that relationship on the pitch playing out? And where do you think they can get the most out of, of both players? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there'll be a shift towards basing the team around Bonmati. I think, like Laia says, Puteas probably has had her peak now. And I... I it's, for me, it's not just Bonmati. There's so many other talented players that Barcelona have got there and Spain as well. I think Mariona Caldente was fantastic in the World Cup when she played, whether she was coming inside from the left or playing in that left-sided eight role. I think she's a... I used to think Bonmati was underrated. We probably can't say that now she's won the Ballon d'Or, <laughs> but I think Mariona definitely is. Um, but yeah, I think that the team will shift towards being based around her. Like Laia says, she's only 25 and the players she's always compared to are Xavi and Iniesta, inevitably. When you think about it, when did they peak? Xavi probably is best around 31, 32. Iniesta, I'd say 28, 29, maybe his peak. And players like that, the midfielders, when it's not all about physicality and running and sprinting, you know, they tend to last for longer. They tend to kind of, you know, take in information and take in coaching and reach their best years around 30. So I think she's going to be, you know, around for a long time to come. And, you know, on a selfish level, I'd love to see her in the WSL. It'd be shame to see her leave Barcelona because she's so Barcelona. But, you know, that would be incredible for England. And it, of course, it depends on the financial strength of the leagues. I mean, 10 years ago, you would have said a player like her, well, she'll be going to the US. And that seems to be like less of an option now for, for the real best players from Europe. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, so far, you have to say she's achieved pretty much all she can. I mean, she's won the European Cup. She's won the World Cup. She's won the Ballon d'Or. I guess just the the European Championship to come. Yeah, but I also think that she's just looking at how like the Spanish league is developing because during the season, like the main problems Barca had and then Spain had was that they are not competing every every weekend. They are just scoring a lot of goals against all the teams because they are so much superior than than all of them and they have to just compete in the Champions League and sometimes when they are like just 
losing or, or when they are ha have to fight to to win that's when they are like mentally fragile like saying okay what we have to do we are not used to that and that's the main problem and i think she's very aware of that and she wants to be the best player she she can and that obviously also means that even if Barcelona is now in a great moment, probably like the team uh, in Spain will will just keep that that level. But in Europe or you know in like a, in a worldwide uh, vision, probably at some point it will no it won't be enough for for her. So that's what I think can just make her left Barcelona, even if now it's not a possibility. I think. There's a big piece on Bon Mati out on The Athletic by Jesse Parker Humphreys, so do check that out. That's all we've got time for now on this, this chat, so thank you very much, Laia. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Next up, I'll be speaking to The Athletic's German correspondent, Raphael Honigstein, as we move away from the Lionesses this week to bring you a big European story from Germany. They're trying to win their Nations League games to qualify for the Olympics, like England. Only they're doing it without their manager. More on that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to Full Time Europe from The Athletic. Even though Germany, two-time world champions and Euros finalists, crashed out of the World Cup in the group stages. Deutschland ist tatsächlich raus. Für unsere DFB-Frauen ist die Fußball-Weltmeisterschaft erstmals So far, they've stuck by their manager, Martina Vostecklenburg. But for their matches right now to qualify for the Olympics, she hasn't been on the sidelines. The Athletics German correspondent, Raphael Honigstein, is with me to explain what's going on. Hi, Raphael. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Pleasure. So where has Vostecklenburg been since the World Cup and what has the reaction been to her absence? Well, she's been off sick, which uh, was all fine uh, and no real you know, problem there. The problem is that uh, since that sickness, she's been moved into a holiday, rehabilitation holiday, as it's called, which is also fine on the face of it. But then she was uh, spotted doing a big speech for a association of dentists in Germany. <laughs> you couldn't make it up, could you? <laughs> it was quite a, a numbing experience, not so much for the listeners, but for some of the German public and, and the players who, who felt that this is a strange thing, an unprofessional thing to do. It's fine to be off sick, it's fine to be on holiday, but um, to then go and do a, a speech that was presumably paid for was seen as a little bit awkward and hasn't helped her, I think, when it comes to her future and her standing with the German Federation. Reacting to this situation, Lena Oberdorf, the German midfielder, said it raised a few questions for her. She hoped for something different. She hoped they could clarify what happened at the World Cup and then Martina Vosteklenburg could go on vacation. Do you get the sense that there was any World Cup debrief before she went away? There was supposed to be this big inquest uh, led by Vostecklenburg herself, which, again, is not an ideal setup if you're supposed to 
be critical of your own performance. Uh, but it was a typical sort of German FA fudge where they don't want to rock the boat too much. So they go to a commission or an inquiry or an inquest and then kick it into the long grass. But it hasn't happened yet. And it leaves everything a little bit in limbo. Now we have an interim coach in Horst Rubisch, who's well-liked uh, all across German football. And uh, I'm sure he's doing a decent job. He's won his first game. They're playing Iceland on Tuesday. But you have this incumbent who's not really enjoying, I think, that much confidence anymore, both within the German FA, but also in the dressing room. There were whispers during the World Cup and since that the team weren't especially happy with her and felt that she could have done a better job. And I think the whole dentist speech gate (laughs) will... We'll just add to the voices of those who think a change is necessary. There's a lot at stake right now for this German team. They didn't qualify for the 2020 Olympics because of their performance in the 2019 World Cup. So they'll really want to go to Paris next year. In order to do that, they have to finish in the top two in the Nations League or if France get to the final in the top three. So there's a big task ahead. Do you get any sense of how this is affecting the team at this important moment in time? Uh, Judging from what Lena Obadov said and the way she said it, uh, reading between the lines, you could sense the irritation. Perhaps not anger, perhaps not, you know, outright antipathy, but certainly frustration, irritation, um, slight annoyance that things have played out this way. There are probably enough people in the dressing room who feel that a change would not be the worst idea. And the fact that this change is being drawn out and there is no clarity, I think is, if not unsettling, then at least it leaves a sour taste, I think, with one or two players. Um, It was quite clear that a person who's so influential as Lena coming out uh, with statements as strong as this, that there's a degree of dissatisfaction within the dressing room about the way this has been handled. Maybe not necessarily towards uh, Martina Voss-Tecklenburg herself, but towards the way the German FA are just dragging their feet. And uh, I'm sure she would have thought very carefully about going public and putting more pressure on the German FA to make a decision. But I think it's an accurate reflection of where a significant part of the dressing room is at the moment in terms of their position towards what needs to happen. When Martina Voss-Tecklenburg does come back, what decision do you think will be made and how soon do you think a decision will be reached? I don't know exactly when that holiday is supposed to be over. I don't think it can go on indefinitely. I think the German affair need to have some clarity. The players will want to have some clarity. While Rubisch is winning, that leaves them in a, in a decent position to string this out a little bit longer, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a good idea. There might be a problem of suitable candidates, There might be a problem of uh, finding a good way to get rid of her in contractual terms because the German FA are notoriously skint. They have real financial issues going back to some very unsuccessful tournaments which necessitated change of uh, management on the men's side. Also combined with a lack of extra income from making it through the rounds. And uh, last but not least, the building of this big HQ uh, base camp outside Frankfurt, which cost hundreds of millions and went over budget. And I think that's going to be one of the reasons why they will 
might take a bit of time to find the right way to to part ways with her. But I don't see this being... I don't see the situation as it is tenable. And I think we will have a solution by the end of November. Her contract, of course, runs until 2025. In terms of replacements, if they did find one, if they did find the money to find one, do you think the current interim manager is, is a good option? Have you heard good noises around there or would there be other people who might be in the running? Um, Hasrush is, as I said earlier, is a guy that's liked universally um, across German football. He, I think, is the perfect interim manager, but I don't think it's necessarily a long-term setup. He also still works for Hamburger SV in a in an important role uh, behind the scenes. His uh, his club. So I don't think that this is necessarily a a, a viable setup as far as the big to- new tournaments uh, are concerned. I haven't seen any names being mentioned uh, as candidates to succeed her. I'm sure the German uh, FA will look look very closely. In a way, now that German football is really booming, things have become slightly more difficult because we've seen foreign managers come in. We've seen uh, male managers come in who perhaps uh, wouldn't be considered the ideal fit from the outset. And that kind of complicates matters a little bit for the German FA. They used to be very, um, just like the men's setup, very conservative, very pragmatic. Uh, managers would spend a long, long time before they would get fired. Um, but I think because expectations are much higher now than they were before the Euros, and because I think she's behaved in a less than perfectly professional way during this absence... I don't think she'll be able to survive this. Well, we'll see what happens. The DFB have said they'll have a discussion on her future when she's back. So that will probably happen in November. I imagine it will all be covered on The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us, Rafa. Thank you. Make sure you head to The Athletic for more on Germany, Bon Mati, Spain and all of women's football. You can get a subscription today for just £1.99 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com slash WSL. If you like what you've heard today on Full Time Europe, leave us a rating and a review and hit follow on your podcast feed. You can also get in touch with us direct on Twitter at The Athletic FC or with me at S-P-E-N-N-E-Y-4. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Sophie Penny and the executive producer was Abby Patterson. To discover and listen to other great athletic podcasts just like this one, including our brand new daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Athletic.